So today, the final day of April, April the 30th, we are here with you once again with your Q&A. Honestly, we've been overwhelmed with the questions. Let me tell you some of the questions. Quite a few of the questions, we cannot answer it publicly because of the nature of the questions. It will put you into trouble, it will put us into trouble. We know these things happen. But, you know, we simply cannot discuss it in a public forum like this because it would create a lot of problem for us. Because we are a very small church in a very large country and the Christians are a very tiny, tiny minority and these things cannot be discussed. But I will definitely deal with it. Personally, I will write to you and give you answers for that. But what we can deal with a public forum like this, we will we will answer your questions. And also on Sunday morning service, I will request you to tune in because so many of you have doubts and uh, primarily on sin, iniquity, transgression, how it works, how it functions. So we will go back to that subject Sunday morning. And we will dis- I will minister to you about that and so that you understand because sometimes you under it's like a radiology or a pathology report and once you understand that you will understand also what's happening in your life so this evening before we go to the questions pastor vidya can you lead us in prayer please father we just thank you once again this evening oh lord we just thank you father for another time of questions, O Lord. Lord, we don't have any of the answers except to the wisdom that you would give us even now, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that would rest upon us, especially Pastor, even as he, Father, he wrestled with questions, O Lord. You know people, O Lord. You know the hearts of the people who have asked these questions. And I pray, Father, that you would, Father, go beyond us, Lord. You would overshadow even our frailties and our shortcomings and you, your spirit will be able to minister directly to every heart. I pray, Father, that you would bless this time together, O Lord, once again. Anoint all of us, Father. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, Lord, Father, strengthen our faith. Edify us and strengthen us in you, O Lord. That we will know that you love us. That you are a Father who absolutely loves his children. Thank you, Father. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint this time together. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Okay, again, once again, we have uh, divided it into mostly life questions. So many questions which are tough and related to marriage and general, generally in life. So, you don't have any icebreaker questions, okay? Today we'll directly go, go to the uh, meat of uh, the question. So first question is, uh, it's question number four, Pastor, in the life part. When women are working outside, the home gets neglected. But some women may have no other option. What do you suggest how they should manage their duties and don't fail to be a godly woman? These are all pertinent uh, questions. Pertinent family questions. You see, we have to address this issue at different levels. First, 
we have to look at the ideal. Now we cannot address just the ideal because most of it is situation is not ideal. The ideal situation is to those ones who are not married. Because only they can pursue an ideal because they know. See, that's why God says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Like, first thing before you go to the woman working and what situation, home and everything else, uh, let's look at what God says. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Meaning he puts these parameters about marriage. So marriage is after your salvation. Your marriage is the most important decision you will ever make in life. Something bigger decision. Like I said, first question is, should I get married or not? That's a question one need to ask. And then if God says, yes, show me, he shows the person, and then you get married. When that doesn't happen, there is unequal yoking, you don't understand the facets of life and all, there are a lot of issues. You So you cannot pick Hannah's case from the Bible or uh, Timothy's case in the Bible. These are not God's order. First, we look at God's proper order. And then in that order, a woman would not be facing these issues because she understands she has married according to God's order. The husband is there, he understands, and the house is being built properly. But when that isn't, we have to address the other fact. Most of the marriages are not that way. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at that issues. And then first... The Bible addresses all these issues, even in cases where the spouse is an unbeliever in the Corinthian church, because in the first age, the people were all Gentiles who became Christians. So there were many cases where the wife became a believer, the husband wasn't, the husband became a believer, the wife wasn't, and the rules were still the same. You cannot live, stay there if the unbelieving spouse wants to leave. All those things are mentioned over there. So the God addresses the family, but he still holds the sanctity of the covenant that was made before you were believers. So that doesn't change because marriage is something from God. It's not man's invention. So when you work outside, like I said, first question, should I get married? Second question, who do I get married? Third question, should I have children? These are all questions which you should ask. No, These are all questions which you go with your, uh, as a child to the father. You have to go with that love, trust that my father knows best because he's seen the end from the beginning. You know, honestly, these are the things which we talk to our young people saying, if God were to show you, you have a child and that fellow is going to be absolute rogue, a son of Belial. Do you want to have a child? Really want to have a child? No. So that is where God's will comes in. The most beautiful prayer you can pray always is, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done in everything. So you know you have covered it from God's side. You don't have to worry. So you will have to ask God for balance. How do I work this out, O Lord? If you are in a messy marriage, uh, being a godly mother is got much to do with prayer. You need to understand. When a wise woman builds a house, she's a praying woman. And she has making her decisions accordingly. Uh, 
The father is supposed to be the instructor of the word in the house. The Bible is clear in Ephesians 5, if I'm right, while the mother is a praying mother. And the praying mother can change the entire atmosphere of the house. And praying is something which you can do whatever you are doing. Whether you are in the kitchen, whether you are outside, you can always be. They talk about Charles Wesley and uh, John Wesley. But people don't realize two of the sons were only two among 18. 18. 18 kids yes. Susanna Wesley had. She had 18 kids and two people became incredible men of God. Unbelievable men of God. And the mother was a praying mother. And they didn't have houses like ours and all. And she did not have a private room to go and pray and spend time. The story told is that when she is in a kitchen or outside the kitchen, and if her apron is over her face, the children tiptoed around her knowing that her mother was in the sanctuary, interceding with God. That was a quiet place. And the children knew mommy was praying. So these are mighty women of God who birthed great men of God. Okay, So when you are talking about godly mothers, you need to know that godly mothers are framed by prayer. They were praying women. And then everything fell into place. God starts working. And you always have to go by faith, believing God is for you. Things don't change in one day or two days. But you change through that it all. You change. Imagine uh, like the mother in the Bible called Hannah. Elkanah had two wives. Those days, Peninnah and Hannah. Peninnah had children. Hannah did not have. But imagine Penina had a child and the next year Hannah also had a child. Would we have Samuel? No. It is a crisis and the pain and the agony she went through which caused us to pray and made her a praying woman which resulted in a dedication to the Lord which resulted in Samuel whom he she raised up for God and that man became one of the greatest in the Old Testament. So you have to see life that way. Life that way. Otherwise, we will never become the people we are. Most of the people of God in the Bible, it's because the crisis defined them. And they clung to God. Like we say, you can get better or bitter. It's your choice. Both three widows are on the road, on the same road, because they have heard there is God has visited Bethlehem and there is bread again. Three widows. One is Naomi the so-called believer. One is Orpha, the other is Ruth. Once given a choice, Orpha hugged and kissed her mother-in-law, went back to the world. The Bible doesn't talk her about She disappeared. Naomi, Ruth says, I will go where you go. I am not leaving you. But Naomi comes back bitter when God is moving in the land. And Ruth, all three are widows. One disappears, the other is bitter, while the other becomes better. And she is redeemed by Boaz. Now if you look at it, all have lost their husbands. None of them have children. Aren't they in the same state? Didn't they go through the same crisis? So what made them come out different? It's how they responded to their crisis. That's the key. How they Like COVID-19 has locked up everybody in their houses. But everybody will come out the same? No. Even Christians, do you think all of them will come out to the same? No. It's depending upon how you're going to use this time and is this lockdown to deal 
with issues in your life, how to approach God and how we are going to make us of this time and how you will come out. So every godly mother is a praying mother. Every godly. Otherwise, other mothers are smart mothers. We are not talking about that, who were tough and distinct and raised and their children became doctors. And We are not talking about We are talking about simply spiritual terms, godly mothers. They are praying mothers. Husbands may must have been alcoholics, but they navigated through it all. They prayed their children through. They held the house together. And when they see the next generation, they have come through believing in God. That's the greatest thing. The greatest gift you can give to your child is your faith, not your money. So Paul will say about Timothy, the faith that was in your grandmother and your mother is in you. It's in you. And that's a mother. I hope I have answered your question. Is a related question? Pastor, in question number three, I think you can elaborate on that. According to the word of God, the man has to be the spiritual head of the family. Otherwise, it affects the children and they become rebellious. But we see in the life of Hannah that her husband was not as spiritually sound as her. Then what made Samuel to grow up to be person? Like I said, this is a different case. That was a man who had two wives, so he had two houses. Okay. Therefore, we don't take it as the, the normal picture. But, like I said, again, it's got to do with marriage. Got to do with marriage. When you get married, when you get married, are you speaking a spiritual head? Or what did you look? There are different kinds of heads. It's a spiritual head. There is a worldly head who gives you a lot of security outside. Okay. There are carnal heads who will give you a lot of fun in the world. What kind of a head did you choose? Mm. Did you choose a man who can lead you? That's the question. And if you did not choose a man to lead you, then God is not mad at you. But then now you have to work through those parameters. That's what I said. The first question is the ideal question. All girls who are not married, pick a man who can lead you. And all those who are married and the man doesn't lead you, then uh, don't lead. Be smart. Uh, pray, pray, pray. You know, it's like, be like Deborah, be wise. Tell Barak, okay. Uh, you go, you will win. He was a weak guy, could have won. He wasn't willing to go. He was a weak, he was a weak leader if you look in the terms of a family. Mm-hmm. And Israel has a family. Barak was a very weak leader. So he said, no, I will not go unless you come. She said, if I come, you know what will happen. The glory will belong to a woman. So that day the glory belonged to two women. One was Deborah who gave the directions. The other was Jael who killed Sisera. So what can you do is that the man is weak and he refused to lead. Then somebody has to lead. But you can lead it very nicely, very spiritually without it becoming very obvious. Very, very obvious. You know, very obvious. But... Pray your way through. And what made Samuel to grow up is because Elkanah also was a wise man. Some wise men look at and says, okay, you know what? You are the spiritual among us both. So spiritual things, why don't you handle it? And that's how we do things in our homes, right? Sometimes the husband, sometimes the wife is better with finances. And you say, you know what? You handle the money because I handle it. It will be over before the middle of the month. So you better handle it. So you are one. So you... Even delegation is a part of headship. Yes. It's a part of headship. So delegation is a part of headship. 
So if Elkanah as a wise, he's a wise man, and he looked at her and said, you know what, you take care of, you take care of Samuel. I, ju- I, 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 I trust your judgment. You take care of. And she took, she took real good care. She really took good care. And a godly praying son emerged. So he was a praying man because his mother was a praying woman. And Samuel's entire life is not defined by his preaching. Samuel's entire life is defined by his praying because his mother was a praying mother. Okay, Pastor, question number six. When we are married, we need to leave and cleave. But how much attachment to parents is acceptable? How do we recognize ungodly soul ties? You should leave, but don't take a cleaver along. Just cleave. People don't understand cleaver is a big knife with which you chop meat. Okay, So leave, but don't take the cleaver along. See, when the Bible talks about leaving, please remember, work it out in your own situations. Work it out in your own situations. You have to look at your own, all your situations. That doesn't mean you're abandoning your father and mother. That's not what the Bible is talking about. You will have to take care of your parents. You will have to take care of your parents. But basically, why does it say cleave? Okay, if you... Let me look. This Genesis 24... The big man getting married, Mr. Isaac the Great. 24. Yeah, 2467. 2467. Oh, sorry, 2467. 2467. Can we have 2467? Then Isaac brought her into? His mother's Sarah's tent. His mother Sarah's tent. He didn't take him to his father, Abraham's tent. His mother is dead. If he takes Rebecca to his father's tent, his father is the head of that house. A house cannot have two heads. Right. Mm. Cannot have two heads. A house can only have one head. Now he is starting his own home. His own home. And this is where the issue comes. The issue comes is over headship. It is comes over headship. And if a woman has to build a home, she needs space. It's talking about space. If you're going to be a joint family, if you marry and you stay with your parents, the problem is your father is the head. And the mother has the kitchen. And where does the girl build her home? And that's what happens in India, in the, our unbelieving, this thing. The wives are all glorified maids. That's all they are, glorified maids in India. That's what the mother-in-law runs the whole house. You know, And uh, it's, they call it a joint family system. It's good for taxes and everything, but it's not good for life. So there is no building of a home building or we are talking about a home and home does not require space every house is not a home though every home is in a house you know so the woman needs space that's what it means leaving and that's what it is cleaving what will happen is the issue first you see see a son can live with his father or father-in-law the issue is usually never between the son and the father the issue is always between the wife and the mother-in-law. Yes. Usually it's always there with the wife and the mother-in-law. Rare cases we have with Jacob and uh, Laban, but that's a different case. But very rarely does it happen. Usually the son-in-law and the father-in-law also gets along very well. 
unless the son-in-law ends up working for the father-in-law. Then it becomes a different story. That was the issue with Moses and with Jacob. But the issue is with the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law because you have only one kitchen. And uh, that is where much of the good things of the house come from. And the issue over here is the mother looks at and says, I know what my son likes because she's not willing to let go of him. What she says is the truth. But the problem is he's gone. He's gone. And now he's with another woman. You have to let go, cut those apron strings off. And I've heard weddings in uh, weddings in at the end of the service, actually the mother opened a bag and called the girl, the, the newly married bride, and opened it. And it was her apron. I said, now this is yours. I hand him over to you. I will never interfere. Literally, in marriages in the West, the mother gave her apron and said, now it's yours. I took care of all the years. Now you take care of the rest of the years. No, mother, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law can be good friends. Good friends. And you have to treat Treat them as parents and not as mother-in-law or father-in-law. Treat them as parents and you can be good friends. But the whole issue here, again, I'm talking about is, we know what we speak is the truth. But the question is, how many people will accept it as truth? Only the truth can set you free. If I am as a father and my daughter gets married, I'll let them go. My son, I'll tell pack up and leave. Who are you staying with me? Move out. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. Move out and start on your own. Yes. Learn. Okay? Exactly. Start on your own. Don't outsource your problems to me. <laughs> Mine is over. Now you move on, start. That's right. That's the only way you will learn. Exactly. Because after some time you'll get comfortable. And men are very lazy creatures. You need to realize if you don't kick them out, they will stay. But they have no issues because the fighting is going on and they are out in the house. And they will come and say, you manage. You manage. Because they don't want to get in between the wife and the mother. Say, you you manage. So, but when the parents grow old, you are, it's your duty to take care of them. Yes. But you also have to deal with the parents. Uh, like I said, fathers usually don't keep, create so much trouble. They are usually very nice, kind to the daughter-in-law. It's a mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law have to get along. And that's where you will have to tell the mother-in-law. Your mother, that is her mother-in-law, that's my wife's kitchen. Mom, I'm sorry, this is our home. Absolutely welcome and comfortable to stay with us. We will look after you till the end of your life. But this is our home. She runs this home. This is our home. And you will have to tell it. You will have to tell it. And because it's always for control. The whole thing is a battle for control. And parents have to allow their children to move on with their lives. And as as a father, I would let my children move on. You are now old enough to make your own decisions. If you come to me, I will advise you. But I will not interfere in your lives. But if I believe that something you have done does not agree with the word of God, I will not be part of it. I will not be part of it. I will choose to stick with my God. I will choose not to be part of it. So parents, as believing parents, we have to get these things. All of you are young. Some of you married. Some of you not married. But you have to get these ideas straight up, right in the head, in the beginning. Because when those day and the hour comes, you will also release your children. The Lord tarries to come. Because you know. 
that is how it works that there is freedom only when you let them go you let them go otherwise everybody it will be a miserable house that is what it means by leaving and cleaning is it also that when the husband i mean when the children leave and they'll have the responsibility on themselves and they'll have to learn through life to make tough decisions because it's not easy life is not easy otherwise they'll never learn right they will not learn also the issue is this because you see the, the, the christianity has become a very shallow sloppy affair hmm. because what has happened is that neither men nor women are really not connected with god where god is their primary objective so what happens is a mother builds her entire life over the family and when the family leaves she doesn't know what to do so all she wants to do is go and live with different children and she doesn't want to stay with her husband she want to live with different children because she does not have a relationship with god so we understand that you don't have but we are talking to people and say get in with god and know god and suddenly you realize you know what i got better things to do exactly i am not your glorified babysitter by the way i have things to do No, when I had my children, I didn't send them to my parents to take care of them. So why are you sending your children to me? No, exactly. Okay, so we have to be very, very tough about these things, you know, because and then we are the whole thing is that people when people live purposeless lives, then all this becomes issues. But you have purpose with God, then you will realize even till your last breath. god is moving in you and through you through you and even you may be an old woman and you still have a prayer life and you are you are standing in the gap for generations different generations and you are able now people want a position without the responsibility they want to be like all in the hindi movies sitting like a patriarch or a matriarch with a stick and order everybody around that's movies that's not life that's not life No, they want that position authority power everybody has to listen to me god says no i don't i am the original father i don't say that to my children i said learn on the way you come to me i'll answer you you don't come to me i'll let you go your way so if god gives us that kind of freedom then we too have to give them that kind of freedom so this leaving and cleaving is there yes and it's a continuous process through your life you are leaving and cleaving and becoming one is a process so what what is the most important part in leaving and cleaving what is that thing which will it is in your heart define your loyalties have changed hmm. it is not a physical thing it's more than that it's a spiritual thing your loyalties have said have changed especially you know you realize now this is my home i have to build the man realizes this is my home this is my wife this is my home and i'm building it and the wife realizes you are no longer my head i will always respect and honor you as my father but i obey this man not you anymore if there is a conflict between the two of you obedience has gone over to this side he is my head no longer you I'll, i will respect you i will honor you i will obey him i'll honor him and i will obey him because there is a shift that has taken place because she made a covenant before god that i will obey him and honor him moving from one to another identity has changed so that's how we have to look at it and these are things which we imbibe in our in our character we this thing so the transition becomes It's very easy. easy yes and parents also when they are believing parents and it has taken place transition is very easy 
Yes, Pastor Vijay. Yeah, Pastor, question number two is again related to life. So, many times we swear on the Bible and then we act like it is normal. In school, if the teacher knew we were lying, they would ask us either to swear on God or the Bible. We were lying, but we would swear anyway. Is that sin forgiven? Okay, I know this is this question definitely has to be from one of the new ones who come in. Yes. Please let me explain to this all the new ones because this probably answer will answer a lot of your answers, including the small one somebody is talking about and the unread ones which I cannot read which involves murder. Okay, so let me explain it to this way. Can I have Psalm 51.7? I was about shaped in iniquity 7, yes, right? 51, yeah. Psalm 51.7? Uh, no, no, no. Birthed in sense shaped in iniquity? Yeah, 5. Five. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. This is something which, please, my dear new ones of every background who are listening from different places, listen, understand this. We were, we are all sinners because Adam sinned. And in Adam, everybody died. Okay. I don't become a sinner because I sinned. I sin because I am a sinner. That's the first difference you need to understand. I was born in sin. And if God had left me alone, I would have continued that way. You just, you don't have to do anything for your baby to become a sinner. Just leave them alone. Because they're shaped that way. They immediately go that way. So we don't become sinners by sinning. We were born sinners, therefore we sin. So the only way God can change us is that now we have to be born again and we are born again righteous. Therefore, we pursue righteousness. Hmm. That's the difference. Okay, that's the difference. But the old nature is there, so it, now it becomes a battle between sin and righteousness. And if you do what God tells you, you will be in more and more and more and more, and you grow in your righteousness. So I, before I came to the Lord, I sinned because I was born a sinner. So when you come to the Lord and you repent, and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and when you are born again. Now can I have Second uh, Corinthians 5.17? Yeah, 5.17. <laughs> this is what God declares about you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Doesn't say you are a new person. So you are a new, absolutely new creation. All things have passed away. Meaning everything that you have done in the past, it's not there. God has forgiven you of completely everything and made you into a new, completely new creation. All things have passed over. Behold, all things have become new. And that is your new beginning. Even if you got saved yesterday and you have been guilty of murder. Okay? You, you are, now, I'm not talking about the legal sense that, okay? Legal, the law has a different thing. We are talking before God. You are absolutely new creation. So, you don't have to go back in the past and pick up little, little things. Was I forgiven? God has forgiven you for everything. It's completely taken away and made you into a new person. So it doesn't matter what is the spectrum of your sin. Paul was 
guilty of actually premeditated murder. Okay, but when he came to Christ Jesus, he's a completely new man. The whole thing is passed away. Does not even it's not even in his record at all. Okay, so that's how you have to look. And that's the only way you will walk free. Mm. Otherwise. Then the Holy Spirit may remind you about certain things and all because it still has an influence because of the old nature. What you do is that you confess and get rid of it so that it does not influence your walk today. He's not condemning you for something that you did in the past, like swearing and lying. No, he's not. That is all over. No, it's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But he says, you see, this is there in you. So you still still have an old nature and a propensity towards lying. So you Confess this and get rid of it so the enemy does not bring it back and try to tempt you and triple you, or trip you over that. That is the only reason. He's not bringing all things back to condemn you. It's not. He's actually bringing it to set you free. Because in the spiritual realm, these things the enemy can use to deceive you and push you towards that. So all you dear ones, please remember, you don't have to go before God and ask God and have a file and everything, all those one by one, take it off. No, that's not. You're forgiven. And you have a new nature now. Absolutely. The only things we will recommend you to you to write it down and renounce it are the things that are connected with occult. Mm. Occult. Every occult thing you have done, and uh, no, those things the Holy Spirit will bring into remembrance and renounce it so that the enemy does not use that to come after you. Renounce it completely. Say that, no, every tie I had with these things, I renounce it, occult, astrology, palm reading, oja board, whatever you did, the covenants you made in the Lord's, everything that no places you went, temples you went and bow down, Renounce that mosque you went and you took your chapel sandals off and went and bowed down. Renounce all those things. I have no more ties with those things anymore. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Renounce because these are spiritual things. Mm. These are spiritual things. So just it makes your walk easier. Walk easier because the enemy has no more hold over you because you broke the covenant or the ties you made with the occult. That's what we usually recommend people who were deep into it and it gives you a freedom in the spirit. There is no sin small or greater which is not forgiven once you confess and enter it. Nothing. It's when you come gone. to the Christ Jesus mm-hmm. Savior. Because otherwise nobody can mm-hmm. be forgiven. Because yes. who remembers what all you have done? Mm-hmm. You are forgiven of your sin nature. That is the first promise. You shall name him Yeshua. For he shall Deliver you from sin. That very nature itself you are forgiven. So that is not even counted. That man is dead. Mm. And a new man has come in. And the new man is now pursuing righteousness. The old man is trying to trip him over. So there is these two people. And the entire process of the church, prayer, word, everything is so that the new man grows stronger and stronger and puts to death the old man. And he will start. That's the walk of faith. Yes, Pastor Vijay. And even in the process that you fail, uh, even if you fall, you still can come back to God and you don't have it's, to. Yeah, it's you, the righteous man going back, back to God. Going back it to is God. not the condemned man yes. going to God. It's the righteous man who fell. The earlier was a sinner who fell into sin. Now it's a righteous man who fell into sin and immediately he's aware, look, this is not who I am. Yes. 
you are convicted and you go back and God says, cleanses you. The simple illustration which we all use in our messages is that you take a pig, give it the best shower you can, <laughs> shampoo it all, powder, you know, put a little lipstick also on the snout, put a tire ribbon, let it loose, it will go straight back to that mud mm. and to that dirt. Why? Because that is its nature. nature. You can't do anything outside. Whatever you do with the pig, it's inside nature doesn't change. It will go straight back into the into the mud. But you take a cat and you throw it into the mud, the cat will jump out of the mud the whole day. It will be sitting there and cleaning itself because that is its nature. It's nature. So God is not doing any cosmetic work over here. He's changing your nature. That is what it means if any man is in a Christ Jesus. He's a new creation. If you want to use the animal allegory, he makes a pig into a cat. Mm. The cat sometimes slips and falls, but immediately it starts cleaning yourself because inside the nature has changed. You are no longer comfortable with sin. Mm. Only you are comfortable. Comfortable. All you didn't want was not get caught. As long as daddy didn't know, mommy didn't know, nobody knew, you were okay with it. Because even your conscience can be warped, can be manipulated, but the Holy Spirit cannot be manipulated. Scripture doesn't say when your conscience will convict you. Scripture says the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit will convict you. That's for the new man. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So the, the first question is... Oh. My question is that during persecution, if a child whose age is below 10 years of age is persecuted or beaten up and forced to renounce the name of Jesus and out of fear he or she does it, how is God going to judge it? Uh, first, let me tell you, you are mistaken young children. From what I have heard about the persecution records, when the parents failed, the children did not. They Amen. stood up. The stu- kids gave courage to the parents not to. Even that song, uh, all, what, the world I forsake, I f- follow Jesus, the cross before me. The yeah. world, no. No, no, I have decided, decided to, to follow, follow Jesus. Jesus. The father was killed at the end. All the children and the mother were killed before that. And each one of them told the father, don't recant. Mm. Don't. Because they thought he will. If you kill one by one by one by one by one, one, he will. But each one of them told you don't. We are ready to die. Okay. That's a a story connected with that. And even Richard Wombrandt's son, he said, dad never recanted. I am there, I am here. I am the thing there for the soul dad. But the other question, actual question, no. If it's a kid, don't even have to worry about it. God doesn't, I mean, if you as a father or a mother is concerned about a child, how much more is God? Doesn't God understand that a child does not have the strength to say no? No strength to say no. No, so please never think God is any one of us. He says, if you parents who are evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more your God in heaven is the most merciful, kind-hearted person. So when it comes to children, he's absolutely different. So you don't even have to worry about it, how God is going to judge it. In, in yeah. all these things, it is that you are going back to our father, right? Yes, Pastor. father. Yes. Is, no? This is not... Yeah. But our job as parents is when our children are small, we have to teach them that loyalty to Christ Jesus. Yes. It's more than life. Okay. It's again a tough question. Question number seven. How do I handle... Oh, a I didn't get that question. I got only blank, oh, blank. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, it's how do I handle a brother who is 15 years old and he 
What is porn since 12? Okay, that's question number 10. Okay. Sorry. How do I handle a brother who's 15 years old and watches porn since 12? Well, you have to handle him. You have to talk to him. You have to help him. And uh, you have to tell your parents mm. this is what it is. See, this is just a vague question. The question is first, duh, are you believers? Are you Christians? Do you go to church? Whatever church do you go to? Because everything changes. Even though sin in itself does not matter, does not change who does it, but it still matters whether it's a believer or an unbeliever. When it's an unbeliever, we are not trying to change their certain things in their life. We are trying to change their entire life. We don't ever go and preach the law to the sinner by saying, this thing in is wrong, that's it. It doesn't work. You are wrong. You are wrong. Shaped in sin, shaped in iniquity, born in sin. If you don't repent, this is where you will end up. So you have to look at what it is and then. But since this is also like an incredibly damaging thing, can damage him in life, marriage, like what did you do with a brother who was 15 years old and took drugs? What did you do with a brother who's 15 years old and his alcohol drinks? The same thing you do with that. What did you do in that same situation? Same things. First, warn him. Tell the parents. If the parents are there, you definitely have to tell the parents. And don't have this false loyalty. He's my brother, so I cannot snitch on him. You're not snitching on him. Joseph was not snitching on his brother. He was upholding the name of his father. When he went to his father and said, Dad, this is what my elder brothers are doing. He was not snitching on them. Mm. Snitching on them. He was trying to help them. Mm. Okay, So you are not snitching on him. You are helping him. Your loyalty doesn't lie to your brother. Your loyalty lies to God and to your parents. They are responsible for him. Mm. So you need to go to the appropriate authority, that is your parents, and tell them, and then help him through to come out of it. How do I witness to atheists? Many you don't, of them. You don't witness to atheists. You live your life before them. them. Yes. As simple as that. Witnessing is not like people don't realize. Uh, if you live like Lot in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, then when the day of judgment comes, you want, even your own family will laugh at you. Mm. If you really believe in Jesus' second coming, how come you are living like this among us? Your life of separation, your life of godliness, your life of righteousness will tell them there is a God. And his God is different. That's what Potiphar recognizes. They all believed in God, but he knew Joseph's God was different. Mm. Prison Warden also realized Joseph's God was different. Pharaoh also acknowledged his God was different. Nebuchadnezzar also recognized Daniel's God was God. He recognized his three friends' God was God. So that's your witness. Your life becomes your witness. But don't get into arguments. If mm. they want to talk about apologetics and all, then better be sure you know what you are talking about. Sometimes believers don't know at all what they believe and they goof off. The other fellow thinks that, okay, I won and he's even more atheistic now. So please know. Like I said, your greatest witness is your changed life. This is what I was. This is what I am. It's not that I'm a perfect man, but I... but. And I will tell you one of the things that really matters to atheists. That is supposing he or she is your friend. When you make a mistake with them, 
you go and apologize and ask for forgiveness. So that's something which an atheist usually doesn't do because there's no need for forgiveness if there is no absolute values and absolute truth and an absolute God. When they see that it is consistently, they will realize there is something in you that is different from them, which is causing them to, because you basically acknowledge there is right and wrong. Yes. So if you look at the Chinese government's propaganda, they will talk about the truths of the Chinese government. The propaganda about the coronavirus, American Mike Pompeo is bringing is, is against the truths of the Chinese. They don't have truth, they have truths. That can be always manipulated. Atheistic yes. systems, your truth is what they tell you and they can keep telling you different things. And that is the truth. But a believer has absolutes. And one of the things that causes that you believe in the absolute, you asking for forgiveness. And when they see it is consistent that you ask forgiveness from anybody and everybody, they will realize, you know what? If God is yes. different, real, that's your witness. Yes, Apukuti. <laughs> Apukuti is sitting down like this. I am not looking at the camera. I am looking at the audience here. So how do I identify my calling and how can I grow in it? The last question. Depends upon how old you are. And uh, see, your calling, you don't identify your calling. You just do what you have to do. Live a life, prayerful, godly life because he has to call. Yes. He has to call. There's somebody who calls. Somebody who calls. And the biggest mess that has happened in human history is a lot of people who thought they were called mm. and were not called. You know, so you will see your gift in a particular way. Now, ministry. That's a gift which God has given you. And your gift will tune you towards it's your, your calling. Call. Yes. Okay, like now we have so many gifted people over here. Okay. World sees only two of us. But all are gifted. But you need to realize we are all part of the same calling. Mm-hmm. So scripture says, how will they be saved if they do not hear? Mm-hmm. And how they can hear if somebody does not preach? And how can they preach if say, somebody does not send? Mm-hmm. And a huge set of people are in the sending ministry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people do not realize. How does the kingdom of God function? It functions because there are so many people. But let me tell you, when God calls you, you will know God has called you. And God usually calls people and then gives them the, if it is full-time ministry, what I'm talking about, that kind of a ministry, he calls you and then gives you. Okay? But other than that, you all have your gifts and try to be the best you can be. Be a good steward of life. That is the most important thing. Be a good steward of life. The Bible says about being faithful in small things. David was not faithful to his father's little flock. Would God have given him the kingdom into Because God says, I am the shepherd of Israel and that is my sheep. And he's looking at a little shepherd boy who is very faithful with his father's sheep. And he says, if you are so zealous for your father's sheep, the kind you are willing to put your life on the stake, I, I, I can hand my sheep over to you. You take care of them. Take care of them. And that's why God was so upset with him because he killed one of God's sheep. Mm. And he uses the sheep illustration to catch him. Analogy to catch him because he was a shepherd. And he had protected his sheep with his life. And Uriah was God's sheep. Yes. 
Master, there's some one or two questions in spiritual warfare you want to have, you want to handle. We'll see how it goes. So, okay, um, there's the question number two. I think it's more gentle. Please explain spirit, soul, and body in brief as an intro and flesh and heart in detail. Oh, question number two. I'll make it simple because these are all in the messages. I will also, all the new ones who have come into the Lord, I will also ask you, please log into our website. You know our website from the beginning. Go from the beginning and start listening to the message. You have enough messages for to last a lifetime. But it will also prepare you. But a lot of your doubts will be cleared because as you grow in the word. But like I say, uh, we all see our body in the mirror and we all also know we have a soul. We think, we have mind, we have emotion. These are things which you cannot see. You cannot see your thinking. You cannot see your emotions. So that all is part of your soul. And then there is that third part of you, the deepest more part of you, which is your spirit, which comes alive only when you are born again. Other than that, every normal man has it, uh, has a spirit, but it is dark, it is dead. He is not alive, he does not hear on that side. His soul is there, his body is there. So you are this three-part or tripart being you are, your body, your soul, soul your spirit. spirit. And when you born alive, born again, you are born again in the spirit. That's the real Malik of the house. The real Lord of the house has come. He's born again. He's a little fellow. He's just born again. He needs milk. He needs the milk of the word, as Peter will say. But the soul and flesh have been in company for a long time. Mm. The soul and the flesh have been in company for a long time. So they don't like the spirit because they realize this fellow comes and he grows, then we are gone. That is why King Saul is trying to kill David. The man of flesh is trying to kill the man of spirit because he knows he is the real king. Mm. He's been anointed. In some ways, that is the way. You know, till David came into the picture, Saul was king. Till the spirit was came into the picture, Saul was king. Soul and the body got along very well. But when the spirit comes in, the real ruler has been one. You have to nurture it. You have to protect it. You have to see that it grows. And you have to make those decisions. And as he starts growing, the soul is being renewed. The soul's mind is also changing. And before you know, the soul and spirit will become good friends. Amen. Good friends. And they'll tell the body, this is, it's like a, uh, it's like a company with t- three directors. Whichever way to what, yeah. it will go that. Two to one ratio. Two to one, mm-hmm. it will go. So mm-hmm. once you have got the soul and the spirit together, the body, body will has follow. To obey. Yes. It will follow. The body will follow. So the whole idea is the transformation of the soul. Amen. That's yes. what has been happening. Over That's the, what has been, been happening. happening over the years, over the days. Yes. Years. Pastor, do you want to take question number one, or do you think is it's not? By the way, the flesh. When you talk about the flesh, it is not talking about the body. There is a spiritual part in the body, the fallen nature. That's what is the flesh. So Galatians five nineteen to twenty two will give you the sins of the flesh. These are the works of the flesh. Okay, That's a spiritual part that came alive when man disobeyed God and ate from the tree of knowledge and evil. Evil came into being. Mm. Now his eyes is open. He understands evil. And that's it. The works of the flesh are. That was never there before he ate. Mm. Before he ate. So that part came alive. And then when the more law you hear, the more stronger it gets. That's mm. why God gets her out of the law and keeps under grace. Mm. The law will not help you. It only 
it only causes and more awareness of the flesh and of sin. Of course, yes. Yeah. So, uh, would you want to take question number one, Pastor? Can a believer uh, one? In, special, in spiritual warfare? Or spiritual warfare, what's it? Uh, it's question number one in spiritual warfare. Can a believer who prays over a demon-possessed person can himself be attacked by one? If yes, how can this be overcome? Yes, you can be attacked if you are not undercover. Mm-hmm. You can be attacked. Okay. Please notice this. The demons can communicate to each other. Let's imagine Peter is praying over somebody, trying to cast out. But Peter himself has a life that is hidden, which nobody knows, the demonic knows. The demonic knows. Now he is trying to cast out a demon in another person. That demon tells, the demon that is with Peter tells that demon, this is what he is up to. Exactly. This is what he is up to. And this has happened all over in Delhi when the pastor has to run from that house. All kind of things have happened. Okay, The simple thing is that is why deliverance is not something which you do lightly mm-hmm. because you are dealing with powers of darkness. Do you have power? Yes. Has God given us power? Yes. But first see that you are under the blood. You are under the blood. Because don't jump into things which... No, like sons of Skiva. Yes. Don't jump into things without like the deliverance ministry is not for everybody. I mean, I'm talking about generally targeting because in the first place, you probably have no clue what to do and you don't know what this other person is up to. Mm. You are not, you haven't counted the cost because uh, when they come back at you, they may look at you and say, okay, you are strong, but let me look at his family line. Okay, there are three or four over there, which is weak. Let me go after them. To see that he stops this nonsense. Okay, so what happens is when you're getting into it, be very sure that you're see gone. Mark 16 is there, but Jesus is primarily talking to his disciples. Mm-hmm. Okay, disciples talking about yes. So if I were to ask you, if you're a normal believer, Christian, whom should you cast demons out of yourself? Yes, of mm-hmm. yourself. First yourself. Be clear. Be clean. Okay, and then when these opportunities come, and if you are led by the Spirit, do it. Yes. Don't run into trouble. Run into trouble. Okay, why I will tell you is, okay, now all of you are listening abroad, let me tell you. Why I tell you is this. A lot of people who do not, a lot of pastors in India abroad do not understand what programming is. They do not understand what alters. When I'm using the term alters is A-L-T, and alter personalities. Multiple personality disorder, psychiatric calls it, but we know it is not that. Alters are not demons. Mm. Sometimes they get so discouraged, I could not cast it out. You cannot cast an altar out. That is a part of the same person. You cannot cast the altar out. You can cast the demons that are associated with an altar, but you cannot cast, you can stand on your head, you can fast for 40 days, the altar cannot be cast out. Because that's a part of the same person. So you have to know the difference. And a lot of pastors don't know the difference. And I know in India, crazy stuff they do. They hold them by the hair, pull them and shout them and do all kind of things. Nothing happens. Because it's an altar. It's an altar. The altar doesn't go. If you take them to the hospitals, they will sedate you and they will keep you. And after that, you are like a zombie going on because the sedation is working. That's all. Altar personality, what you have to do, we have to integrate it. 
we have to integrate it but i am not going to go on camera and tell you how to integrate it and all then everybody will become integrators and it will be another bigger mess i'm not going to tell you how to do it and all that because there are a lot of people who are just curious yes curious and this nobody is not, this, this is, is this is watch not watch unless god would god uh, calls you to do these kind of things because that will take you a time yes. i'm talking about people having 1000 2000 altars mm. do you know how many days and weeks and months it will take you to integrate all of them no and you should be willing and they have suicide altars you have to do suicide watch over them watch them day and night take turns all these things you have to do and you should be if you, if you want to get into it you should be willing to be able to sacrifice your time and your life and your energy for it no. is it worth it yes because the soul, soul in the kingdom of god is more 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 than because sometimes people have no clue what altars are and what demons are out and they try to cast it out and it does not work that is why you need discernment mm-hmm. and discernment is something which the spirit of god gives you and also that there should not be this lust for this power ministry and all that yeah, stuff yeah because this it is, is, is all not, for jesus when he did all these things no he, he did it in secret. secret we know about it all because you have to respect the the identity and the dignity of the person i hate it when pastors mm. show it on tv and yes. all casting out so that person has to go back mm. go back to the like if scripture hadn't written about mary magdalene we wouldn't have known about her that she had seven demons so it is just what you can be so we don't make it into a public display and all we don't yes. do all kind of stuff and all and tape it and put it up on youtube and all no we don't have to not, that no. is not needed that's a publicity you're not honoring that person unless the person says i want it up there so let it be a help for everybody else then it is okay other than that no other than that, no no the person has to go back to that same society and live there no yes yes okay so that's that for the uh, you you want to take question number 3 there or or is it okay what is that i think we already covered it right What's the difference between a fallen angel and a demon and who gave them the power to enter into a man's body you did <laughs> I know who asked this question you did if it is in your body you did because they cannot enter unless you give permission mm. and you do it with your occult practices and all kind of junk they can see these are demons demons are spiritual entities they can get in through anywhere from the tv they can get into their eye into your body okay. they can get they can get in from anywhere if you give them the if you open the doorway they can get in so your job is to not allow them in and not to go into places which are demonic okay but this is the reality of it and some of the demons will get in and you don't even know about it they are so subtle so quiet but they change your thinking Quiet. the most important yeah. demon is a demon of gossip they should not hear things that yeah. they are not supposed to hear right person it's something which i thought or which yes. is important important some people when they go down to hell they will go ear first they will be going like this some people will go like eye first some people will hand, hit the floor of the hell with a bing bang on their stomach because that will took them there because god was there their belly was there god just joking but not joking also exactly okay you are serious things okay so these are serious things but please remember because first of the only word for uh, for the devil mm. and the other word which is used in greek is diabolos is mm. a slanderer mm. and it's used both in conjunction with demons yeah. as well as human beings all you if you don't want to be a slanderer all the thing is that keep your ear pure exactly the tongue will follow tongue cannot talk what it has in heart heard Amen. Simple thing is that I don't want to. 
I don't want to. Simple illustration I use in these other countries where I go among the people is that I will ask them that. No, we'll tell over here. Uh, let us say at eight o'clock in the morning the garbage collector comes. You know, and Sajid takes his garbage. Rajan Apu take your garbage. Sajid is taking his garbage. Do you open your door and says, "Please don't take it. You can keep it in my house." No. Do you ever say that? But if you keep it in your house, what happens? Your house stinks, right? Why do you want to listen to somebody's garbage? It's your head is that is thinking. This is virtual garbage. And people don't realize why they stink. Their thoughts stink. It's because you took garbage which it was not meant for you. It was meant to be thrown away. You said, no, stop. Please keep it here. My house is free. You can keep it over here. And that's basically what happens. You know, Because once you have heard something, it's very difficult to handle it. Handle it. It was not meant for you to hear. You know, you have to handle it. Then suddenly you feel because I heard. Then you have sense of power comes. You now have to deal with. It has nothing to do with you. What has got to do with you? So many times, you know, if anybody could have judged, Jesus could have judged. No, one man says, "Lord, Rabbi, please tell my brother to divide." He says, "Who made me Lord? Who made me Lord over your property? Judge over property. Who made?" That is another day. Now I have not come for that. I don't want to deal with your issues. You deal it among yourself. I have come for another purpose. Even he wouldn't interfere in those days. I mean, if you wanted to interfere with the spirit of discernment, I tell you, you have taken more, you have taken less. This is, he didn't do any of those things. He just walked away. Walked away. And these are simple principles of life which people do not follow and it messes it up. Yes. That's Vijay. One second, sir. I got something from somebody. No? Uh, oh. Yes, you send me something? No? You send me something. The send fallen me. angel and de- demon, the difference. These like are all, send it again. these are things which I can only sh- prove to you from experience in deliverance ministry. But I don't want to put it across because some Baptist preacher will immediately come after you. Thank God their comments are switched off because they don't, don't understand how uh, deliverance works. Okay, so I don't want to get into the difference. I see personally what is the difference between a demon and a devil, a fallen angel, a demon and a fallen angel. But I see in experience there is a difference. There is a difference. Okay, yes. Uh, would you want to answer the question three in the theology section? Three in, in the, the theology th- section or do you want to go to another one? Which is three? Three in the theology section. If a person does not have the gift of tongues, does that mean he is not baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because on a chat there was a similar question like that. Would you want to answer this? My question to you is that how would you, how would you, I'm just leaving it open. I'm not trying to confuse anybody. I'm not, but my only question to you is that how would you know somebody is filled with something? Abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. My question to you is that how would you know somebody was filled? If you read the book of Acts, how did they know somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit? In each case, how did they know? It's my only simple question. I'm not getting into a theological argument over here. My simple question to you is that how do you know anybody is filled with the Holy Spirit? Even if you yourself is filled with the Holy Spirit, how do you know? It's my question. How do you assume so? How do I know this cup is full? Tilt it, you will know. Amen. Yes. It is not full. 
So in the book of Acts, what you will see that everybody who is filled with the Holy Spirit started speaking in tongues. Tongues. Now, this is my understanding of it. If you read the book of Acts chapter 2, scripture says, cloven tongues of fire came upon them. And the Bible says in James chapter 3, the most important organ in your entire body is your tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's in the power of the tongue. Okay, he who loves it, eats his food. It directs the entire course. I can think whatever I want to think, but ultimately the power is in what I say. What I say. Mm. Okay, what I say. Okay, I can, what I say, you know. Now, this man is on the other side saying, Lord, when you come to your kingdom, remember me. Jesus looks at him and turns away. There's no answer. He looks at him and says, truly I tell you, you shall be with me in paradise today. So that changes everything. So words, because God does everything through his word. He spoke and things came into being. So words are very, very important. The most And the, how you speak is your tongue. It's your tongue. Why we talk about your mind and controlling your mind is so that what comes out of your mouth should be scriptural. Okay, that's why we talk about controlling your thought life. But you will see that the Bible in James chapter 3 will talk about uh, what happens is that how can, let's let's go over there, James chapter 3, why this is important. James chapter 3, verse 6, 3, 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire by, by hell. hell. If there is anything that is touched by the fire of hell, it's your tongue. It's your tongue. Okay, That's how the Bible describes the tongue. It's not talking about this tongue in itself, but tongue is the instrument that is used to speak. speak. Now it talks, go to verse 9. Or uh, seven onwards. Yeah, let's go read it so that we understand what God is doing here. How I understand. For every kind of beast and bird of replied creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 9. With it we bless our God and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So when the first set of people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit coming up. Like I said in one of the messages, Jesus' tongue was perfect. perfect. Siddh, perfect tongue he had. So when the Holy Spirit came upon him, it came in the form of a dove. Mm. Because he is absolutely at peace. There's nothing in his tongue. That will be out of place. So the Holy Spirit comes as a dove. But upon the apostles who all have spoken all kind of junk all their life, it comes as cloven tongues. Meaning what is God doing? He's cleansing their tongues first mm. before they can speak. Even with Isaiah you exactly. will see, it is mouth that is cleansed. Even then Moses, they speak, even Moses, Moses all of them. No? Mm. So it is the mouth that is being cleansed, touched mm. and cleansed. Yes. So, no? so then God gives you a gift of tongues. And the Bible is very clear in Corinthians 14. It's an unknown tongue. Mm. It's a language which you don't. It does not necessarily have to be a human language. It's an angelic tongue. The Bible talks about an angelic tongue. And this is my understanding from experience. Okay, I believe 
Half the time when people pray in tongues, they're confessing their sins. Because the Bible says, he who prays in tongues edifies himself. They are changing every junk they spoke with understanding. Because life and death is in the tongue. I believe first part of your praying in tongues is correcting all the junk you spoke so that God can align your life with his life. Because it's here. Then you glorify. Like a lot of things, if we knew with our understanding, we will not say it. We will not say it. Okay, we will not say it. And I know it is true because of interpretations we have got with people speaking and then interpretation comes and then we check, is that, he said, oh, yes. Okay, then you realize, okay. And, uh, because what does edify mean? Edify means to st- strengthen. Edifice, edifies strong. So he who prays in tongues edifies himself. And this is one of those mighty weapons God has given to us, how to face your tomorrows. You pray in tongues, you cleanse yourself, you ask for forgiveness, you are strengthening your inner man. And when problems and all come, you are able to face it. And you say, how did I face this? Five years ago, I would have crumbled under the weight of it. How did you didn't realize? You thought you realized the Spirit of God was making you strong through a gift that he gave you. Amen. Gift. You use it to cleanse yourself, you see, use that to glorify, and you allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. So Paul will say, I pray with the Spirit and I pray with understanding. And thank God he says, I pray in tongues more, more than, than all, all of you. But to people who have not got it, that doesn't mean it is not real. Because I was one of it, Pastor Vijay was one of it. We all got it. And we use it regularly. And we keep quiet about it. We yes. don't make it into a big hue and cry. Exactly. Mm. We Are we a church? Yes, we are a church. Are we a Pentecostal church? Meaning, was it formed on the 50th day? No. Pentecost is a festival. So, I don't want to identify Pentecostalism only with speaking of mm. tongues. Basically, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with these evidences and we believe nothing has changed. The supernatural still works. Even if it doesn't work uh, in my life, certain things, I will not negate the power of God. That's what I mean by Pentecostalism. I will not say all these things have, no, it hasn't. Then none of the things that is happening now would be working. How many people got baptized in the Holy Ghost in the last 15, 20 days who just came out yesterday? filled with the Holy Ghost and they're able to break every kind of bondage of years in their life. How is it happening if this is not real? Just because it doesn't happen and in somebody else's ministry doesn't yeah. mean it's yeah. not real. Let's it's not, not real. real. No, just because Philip went in the spirit and I haven't gone, I will not say exactly. that it's exactly. not happened. No. That's, a, that's a question that mm. guy in the, in the chat asked, mm. one brother in the chat asked, mm. what does it, uh, does tongues, prophecy, healing, etc. Mm. Something is that is it active in believers today? And answer yeah, is it absolutely is. It yes. has happened in my life. So how can I negate something? I will not say that it is from the devil. <laughs> no, it was not from the devil. On the other hand, is there demonic tongues? Yes. yes, of course. Of course it is there. So my question is there, if the devil duplicates only things that are valuable. So if there are demonic tongues, especially in India, plenty in all the temples. If there are demonic tongues, there must be godly ones too. Hmm. No, everything is there. If demonic prophecies, there must be godly prophecies too. There is demonic healing, there must be godly healing too. Everything is there, nothing has gone away. Otherwise, the believer is on a disadvantage and the unbeliever fellow religion has his own advantage. He has all the supernatural and we have we nothing. Exactly. We have nothing. No, it's have, all there. Hmm. Only thing, you have to distinguish between what is real and what is And true. God is not a God of confusion, he's a God of order. It has hmm. to be done in the way. In the order. In, in order, order has to be there. I don't, uh, I don't uh, recommend it in the church. Recommend setting. in the church setting unless everybody is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes. Then I have no issues. I love the Holy Spirit to have his own sway. I've seen that also happening in my life. 
that everybody is baptized in the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit comes and people start singing in the Spirit, it is symphony. Amen. It's another worship altogether. Yes. The conductor is the Holy Spirit. It is another another realm altogether. You will see the power of it. Then you don't need anything. It just goes on and on and you don't need, everybody has been cleansed, sanctified by the end of it and they are ready for the next day. So we have to allow the Holy Spirit all these things to happen. But the pastor has to be in control and the man is in control because Corinthians 14 says, says everything. The spirit of the prophets is subject, subject to the prophets. So nobody can say I couldn't stop because of the Holy Spirit. Then you need to realize that's not true. That's sure. not what the word of That's why the word of God is our, our protection. Everything has been covered by the word of God. When people say I couldn't control. No, it is written over there. Holy Spirit never does something like that. He will not take over that. The demonic spirit does that. Holy Spirit never does that. He will always allow your autonomy. He gave you free will and he honors and respects your free will. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Uh, there's another mm-hmm. question which is interesting. I would know. Uh, is it a fallacy to expect? No, no, it's not there, Pastor. It's okay. coming on the chat. Mm-hmm. Is it a fallacy to expect the church of today to be like the like that mentioned in Acts? No, it will be better than the book of Acts. Where everyone shared everything in common and they had transparency and love. If it's a small church, yes. Yeah, of course. Not an issue at all. Only thing, these things won't happen in mega churches. Exactly. Mega churches, what happens, everybody shares and the pastor takes it. We are not talking about that, where all the offerings are sent online in different medium. We are not talking about that at all. We are talking about genuine church. A church shouldn't be very large. Exactly. Can have a large teaching audience, but every should belong to a much smaller church, which is, which is a manageable. How many sheep can a shepherd handle? Where he knows each sheep, no? You know. And then, when they all become all, like we say in our church, we have sheep, we have visitors. And we respect both sides. But sheep has to make a choice that we belong to this fold. And they come together and we realize it's a family. Mm. It's a family. And everybody is there for everybody's needs. And hasn't that happened in all our years? How many marriages we took care of? How many people? No, everything was taken care of through. Mm. We never thought about it as, uh, no, in sickness or health. The marriage vow was made over there. But in practical life, the church was there <laughs> in sickness and in health. And everything was, we never thought. Because the simple question is, do you believe the church is a family? Amen. Because you would do it for your physical family. If my brother or my sister was in the hospital and I had the money and the resources and they needed help, wouldn't everybody run? The question is, Jesus said, this is my family. So it's a question of that. The problem is, a lot of churches are like an assembly of visitors. And it is a program. It's a pro, it's not the family coming together in the name of the son to glorify the father. Yes. And it comes through. That is why fellowship is put number two, two after doctrine. doctrine yes. Primary purpose of the church, it teaches you. It teaches you for what? How to live together as a family. Family. And for that you have to be willing to pay the price too. This is yeah, not something which you can like in the sentimentalize. Fam- in the family there is a, everybody pays the price in a family. Everybody exactly. takes, and who does, takes the weight off? You take weight off the weaker ones, the youngest ones, the weaker ones. You take the weight off them. That's how it works in a family. And in a church you always have to look at it and say, okay, it's a new believer. Take the weight off. Meaning what does it mean? When that new believer shouts or screams or shows irritation, they overlook it. Right? If one of our little babies like Rihan or Atira or somebody threw a tantrum, will you take a stick and beat it up? No. no. <laughs> you look at it, you laugh at it. Why? It's a baby. So you have to allow 
Because some of the babies in the church may be six foot tall, maybe sixty years old, but just came into the kingdom yesterday, and they haven't really changed. And when they behave differently, treat them. Ignore it. It is wise to overlook a fault. Yeah, it is wise to. You have to always look at somebody's spiritual age and overlook it. And don't get upset. When you also get upset because of that, that means you also didn't grow. So you also need a bottle of milk. Pastor, yes. question number five in the uh, theology section again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, uh, when do I know that my deliverance, that, that for my deliverance I need to be prayed over by someone with the gift of deliverance? How do I understand that? Primarily, let me tell you from example, from a life and from the scripture. Primarily, if your repentance is genuine, Hmm. repentance is genuine, and you go to the ministry of the word of God, and your zeal to practice the word of God also is genuine. There's something about demons. Demons like dry places. The Bible is very clear. When you go south of a man, he goes looking for dry places because water represents the word of God. Demons do not like lives that are saturated by water. That is by the word of God. The word that is in the head, in the heart and lives it out. They have no place to stay. They will automatically leave. Amen. That is the best kind of deliverance I prescribe to. Mm. Prescribe to. Just keep on filling, keep on obeying and keep on. They will just automatically go because they cannot survive in that atmosphere. Yes. They cannot atmosphere because what you are doing is that you are raising the heat, the temperature inside and they will automatically go. The other side is there are a lot of people who need deliverance because they are in bondage. And uh, this won't work with them. This won't work with them. So you need, they need deliverance. But then for them to be delivered, uh, they will, each one will know, I need deliverance. This is my setup. See, a prisoner will know he's a prisoner. Hmm. Right? A prisoner will know he's a prisoner. I'm in bondage to something. Then the person has to go to the appropriate person. I would always say, go if you belong to a church, go to your pastor, one-on-one, sit down, talk, because he does not need the gift. He does not have the, need the gift. He has the authority. Okay. Yes. In the kingdom of God, what matters is authority. authority. No, gift is something else. Authority matters. And a pastor with no gift, still it reverence works because he has the authority given by God to set uh, you free. So it works. But yes, a lot of people need deliverance. And uh, two ways of deliverance. One is instant coffee. The other is coffee that is gently being brewed. Question number four, Pastor. Hmm. As you shared in one of your sermons, that the rapture is for the bride of Christ. See, I am not setting any. Please remember, I teach everything. And I leave it to God. Because rapture is there in the Bible when I see. Tribulation is there in the Bible. Pre-tribulation rapture is there. Mid-tribulation rapture is there. Post-tribulation rapture is there. So I only tell people, just be prepared. I am not God. If Jesus, when he walked on earth, did not know, how would I know? If I tell something, this is how it is going to happen, then the honest is on my head. No, I don't want to end in heaven headless. Okay, so I am not getting, I am not going to come with a particular chart which you got from a particular doctrine in a particular um, seminary. I am, I did not go to seminary or Bible college. I don't have charts. 
All I look into the Bible is that I know he is coming. When he will come, that is left to him. Only thing he has taught us very clearly is how to prepare right. for his coming. Amen. You know, how to prepare for his coming. So, if you are prepared for his coming, coming, it does not matter whether it is revelation or rapture. If you are prepared for the coming. But if you look at it, every time it is talking about blameless, spotless, blemishless bride, then it seems like his coming, if he's coming secretly, what you call as rapture, he's coming supposedly for his bride. And there are bride, there are bridesmaid, and there are bridegroom's friends, and there are three places, new heaven, new earth, new city, and city there is Zion, so there seems to be a lot of people at the wedding. Because a lot of people at the wedding. I don't think, I mean, honestly, I look in the mirror, I don't see myself as a bride. I should be presumptuous and really, really look at things and think, oh boy, I look at Paul and says, he's bride, I am bride. No man, I am not bride. That is not bride, that is bride. <laughs> no. So, I have no such uh, assumptions, anything at all. If he, when he's writing Philippians and all, is not sure, he's sure only by Timothy, that is simply a progress on the road. So, nobody is, only thing we prepare, we prepare, we prepare. And if you are living with the Holy Spirit, you will realize that you are, He keeps you ready each day. Mm. One day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. And there was something connected with that? Uh, that uh, that's about it. Uh, mm. Oh yeah, mm. then what will happen to little children who are Don't ever worry about children. Mm. Please let me tell you, God loves little children so much. He said, do not stop the children from coming to me. The angels have always access to me. All those things. Why are you worried about children? Don't worry about children. He'll take care of children. Amen. One set of people, you worry about children that they grow properly. Don't worry about children if Jesus comes today. You should be worried about yourself. He'll take the children and leave you behind. (laughs) (laughs) So, question number two, which you... All those people who, oh no, should I share that? 20 years ago, I had a experience where I died in the physical and my spirit went up three times. So I'm just telling to all the sisters who killed your babies. Let me use that word. Let's be very blunt. You killed your babies one way or other. But when he took me in this, because I love children, when he took me in the spirit to whichever part of paradise heaven it was, I was taken to the kids section and that place was Full of children. Running around and playing the most colorful place I can. 20 years ago, I still can see colors. And there were angels all around taking care of them. So don't have to feel, you have to be, feel guilty about what you did. Don't feel guilty about what has happened to your children. They're all fine and they're all growing. Okay, so this is from the online yes. audience from, oh, question number two. Two? Oh, yeah, in theology section. Hmm. How can how come we see all the division and always the Muslims and Christians are to be blamed, are being blamed? No, that's all the enemy's tactics. Don't worry about that. See, enemy's tactics because you know only three groups will be blamed: the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims. Muslims, because these are monotheistic religions. Monotheistic religions have a problem because all three claim to the absolute truth. So, monotheistic religions will be always blamed because people don't want absolutes. Because once you have absolutes, whether it is Judaism or whether it is Islam or whether it is the the law, law part of Christianity, there are absolutes there. The world wants a, a 
a system where there are no absolutes. Because you want to justify your sin. sin yes. You want to live for pleasure. You want to live for sin. So whenever things go wrong, they will blame. But Islam and Christianity and Judaism all have to take responsibility for their actions. Because in all this religion, there was a set of people within those religions who represented Cain and not Abel. In Islam, in Christianity and in Judaism who represented Cain and not Islam. And they created havoc. And the world will look at them and say, you are that. While actually they were not representing, neither, the, not the representing any of their faith. They were the aberrations. But the problem is the aberration is what is lifted up. And that's what happens in the news. Right? Like if you lose your money and the auto driver returns it immediately it is in the news honest auto driver because that is an aberration because that is meaning everybody every fellow is dishonest while what should be the norm everybody should be honest mm. and if you lose your money and it is not returned that should be news yes. the aberration took place but because the dishonesty and violence and sin has become the norm and somebody one religion talks about absolutes people don't like it People don't like it. Hmm. No. It's question number six. Peter has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Peter, you have it? No. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Peter has the keys of the kingdom. And Jesus has the keys of Hades and deaths. Matthew 16, 18, 18 and 19 18. is the reference. Since Peter has the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that means we have the keys also. We want open the gates of the kingdom of heaven. How will he come down. Can we go up higher? 17, 16 Simon, Jesus asked, okay. Simon answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Okay. So Peter is getting a divine revelation. Okay, this is not from his intelligence, his soul or anything. God revealed it to him who Jesus is. It is in response to this Jesus says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. Hmm. You are Peter. And Peter does not mean rock. Yes. Does not mean rock. It means stone. And on this rock, I will build my church. What is the rock on which Christ is building the church? It is definitely not Peter. It is his confession. What is his confession? You are Christ, the Son of God. It's upon this, Christ, the Son of God. He is the rock. And I can prove it through scripture where he is the rock, he is the cornerstone. Our rock is not like other rocks. It is not Peter. Peter was a moving rock. Hmm. Even in the book of Galatians, he is still moving, shaky. He was shaky. So it's not talking about Peter. Because this is what the Catholic Church took and made Peter into the first Pope and they have the keys and the, the entire thing went haywire. My question is that if Jesus was talking to Peter and Peter is the rock on which the church is built, how come the letters are all written by Paul? Yes. And not Peter. Because the church is founded on the letters of Paul. Mm. You have, you don't have those letters, there is no church. Because what do you build the church on? Mm. Where do you get your doctrine from? Okay, Peter wrote two epistles. That's all two little epistles. And in that epistle for my dear brethren who are Catholic brethren who have come out, let 16, me tell you something. 16, 17, 18. Second Peter chapter 3. 16, 17, okay. 15, 15 onwards. 
15 onwards by their Paul's name. This is Peter writing, okay. Consider the long suffering of our dear Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him has written to you. Peter is writing about Paul, okay. 16. As also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand which untaught, untaught men and untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Now, wait a second. Do you know what he's talking about? He's, he's talking about Paul's epistles when they are living already has scripture. Mm. It's already scripture. Scripture means God breathed. Yes. It's the word of God. It cannot be broken. And Jesus kept on saying scriptures cannot be broken. This is the word of God. Peter, while living, is acknowledging Paul's letters are difficult and acknowledging they are scripture. And this are stuff which people don't even see. So not see. That God is not a respecter of persons. Mm. It doesn't matter what time of the life you came into the kingdom, but if you are going to give your 100% to it, he says, okay, I will give it to you. Peter kept on going back and forth, back and forth. Was he a godly man? Yes, he was a godly man. But was he as, as committed as Paul? If you look at the scriptural record, no. The problem is when you are attached to an institution, then you become sentimental about personalities. Oh, I am Catholic and Peter is the first Pope. How can you say that? I did not say scripture is talking about reality. There is no room for sentiments over here. It's not sentimental things. We have no sentimental attachments. We are attached to truth. And this is what the truth is talking about. So if you go back to Matthew chapter um 16, 18, and 19. First, let me clarify that so that you understand what Jesus is talking about. The gates of head shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now he's telling it to Peter. But if you go further about binding and loosening, he makes it general, not here, but the other other place in scripture where binding and loosening is. He's now not talking to about Peter alone. He's just talking it to the church. He's, he's talking to the whole church that I give you the power to bind and to loosen. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. Whatever you bind in earth will be bound in heaven. So here he's talking about something else altogether. He's talking about Spiritual realities. Mm. Let me tell you. Is the church being told that if you bind something in on earth, it will be bound in third heaven? No, it's oh, talking about second, second heaven. heaven. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Mm. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. You are fighting a spiritual battle over here. Okay? Battle. Imagine if you ta- if you're going to literally apply it to the third heaven. Okay, today, this morning, I take authority in the name of Jesus and I, I lock your front road. You don't come out today. But you can do that with demons. Moses stood there in Egypt and says, not a dog will wag your tongue Amen. for three days. Nobody will move. Not the magicians tried all. They could not do one thing over there. Elijah stood on Mount Carmel, bound the entire second realm. They couldn't do. Their servants were cutting and jumping and dancing. Blood was, blood was flowing all around. Now they couldn't do anything because one man stood there and bound it up. This is what it is talking about. That's why in our prayer we bind and we lose. But if we bind on heaven, we'll be loose. This is not talking about the keys of the kingdom. In way you're talking about third heavens or anything. What Jesus has is the keys of life and death, of Hades and all. It is not that we are locking up God's kingdom or anything and Jesus cannot come and all. No. 
we actually exercise this power for him to come faster. Yes, because God has given the church that authority. No, like when I, yeah, here's on it. Mm. Like, you know, let me, let me uh, put an example. Imagine I'm going, coming to my office in the morning and I give my wallet to my wife. She must be twinkling eyes, are twinkling over there, okay? <laughs> I give my wallet or my debit card or credit card or whatever to my wife and says, okay, you, you need to buy stuff. No, what did I give her? I gave her the power oh. to buy. Power to buy. What is she doing? She's just extending my kingdom. That's what God is talking about. We are not running after anything. These things will work only for those who are subject to God's will. Amen. Otherwise, these things are not happening. Another fellow called Sons of Skiva tried in the name of Jesus whom yes. Paul preaches. The devil said, who are you? You are trying to bind me? Who are you? And that fellow stripped him up. All the seven ran without their clothes. And the demons have incredible power. When they get into a physical body, they can be absolutely, totally powerful. So you have to be very careful about it. You can't do it. But we may be much smaller. The other person may be much bigger and stronger. But how? where do we exercise? We exercise the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit that when we actually pray over them, they fall. It's the anointing that works. And we know immediately that is not my strength because I cannot even lift that table. Forget, push that man down. We are not talking about the ministries you see in the television. No, no. We are not talking about any. I'm talking about genuine, quiet, closed door ministry of that takes place. But again, it is subject to the will of the person. If the person doesn't want deliverance, there is nothing you can do. God doesn't go over the autonomy of a person's will. Of a autonomy of a person's will. So here he is talking about that, about binding and loosing. It's a completely different thing altogether. And then about Jesus, the question was... How can as a believer or a bride of Christ use his keys, what was given, what is this key really mean? That's how I explain. So since Peter has the keys of kingdom of heaven, that means we have the keys also. Unless we want to open the gates of the heaven, of the kingdom of heaven, how will he come down? No. We are not making, going to make him come down or anything. That is all said by the Father. He doesn't need any anybody's permission to come or not to this thing. That is absolutely sovereign over it. So we are not talking talking about realm 3. We are talking about the demonic realm that is realm 2. And that is connected with the power which God gives his people. The authority God gives. Yes. Uh, praise the Lord, Pastor. Question number 7. My question is, can anyone give Holy Communion to believers or only ordained pastors? See, that's a very dicey question because a lot of stuff is happening in so many places and it's going, it's going crazy. Why do we, see, we are talking about communion here. We are not talking about any other stuff. Okay, we are talking about communion. The issue here is, it is good to have order. When you have order, life becomes simple. Okay, life becomes simple. You have order, you have, uh, with order comes liberty, freedom. Let me ask this question. Simple, let me ask this question. Supposing like I've seen in many churches, when we began this church and I said, every Sunday, anybody who wants to preach can preach. Would this church have come this way? It should have been a cacophony. Right? So we would one strict thing we put over there that only one or two people will preach. Those who have been called to preach and who spend their time in studying the word of God will preach. Then again, did we allow everybody to be in the worship team? No. no. 
though there were plenty of music teachers, we did not allow everybody to. Music teachers also, we didn't allow them to win the worship team. To cross, I always said, this is level ground. But when you come from here up, it's a different ball game altogether. You need to be very, very sure you're not showcasing your talent. This is not a talent show. This is not a talent show. This is a worship service. So you need to be very sure what you are before you come up here. Because otherwise it will be a talent show. And we don't want talent shows. Nobody is displaying their talents at any of the services that takes place. Because it is what we are offering to God first Mm. and then to man. So when it comes to communion, the question is, isn't it better the pastor gives the communion? Or whoever he delegates give the communion? What happens? Because if you, you have to read First um, Corinthians chapter 11, whichever brother asked us, read First Corinthians chapter 11 and look at what happened in the Corinthian church because of the disorder in communion. Yes. Scripture says many were Asleep. Weak, sick. Sick. weak, sick and, and dead, dead. Yeah. because of communion. It's a table of judgment. So you cannot take it lightly. Mm. So it is good to see that somebody who is senior, spiritually mature, the pastor or whoever he delegates, gives it so they understand the seriousness of it. And it's not given to some young person or a novice who does not understand and thinks it has a great honor and more of something else. So it is always safe with these things when it comes to ministry. It is also for your own protection. It is also for for your your protection. protection. God has put these things over there for our protection. Okay, Pastor. So, um, uh, Pastor, if we list, is it okay? We'll stop it here. It's already nine thirty. Nine thirty. You want to stop? Yes. Uh, otherwise, we'll explain iniquity, transgression, sin. Please tune in on Sunday. Sunday. Okay. And sin that cannot be forgiven for what is blasphemy. Okay. Or oh, we'll come back to all those are very it's serious, serious very and important, very serious for all of us sitting here to all of us. One of the most serious questions for believers are these questions. The sin that leads to death. And if you see a brother doing that, don't even pray for him. Those are all like, you no, know, very, very sharp knife, razor edge questions, which everybody wants to skirt that and don't want to make a boo-boo with it blasphemy and all that but i believe like why you may feel that today in my answer question session is that you know subdued is because of your questions which i have which i received past couple of days you see knowing something is true in your head and knowing something is true with the evidence before you are two different things right you know oh an accident took place if you are at the accident spot, are two different things. Like this, letters I have got today and yesterday. Honestly, I'm telling you, the Catholic brethren who wrote and uh, people from the circle, the dear sisters who wrote, I don't want to even talk about it in this forum because it's very dangerous and it is very saddening. It's very, very saddening, but it is true. It's very true. And the sad part is that it's still going on. And it's still happening every day. And we do not have the power to stop it. There is a day set by God. All of this will stop. And everything will be judged. Amen. That is called the day of the judgment. Lord. It's a day of the Lord's wrath too. It's a day of judgment. So please, our prayer is that everybody will repent, forgive, 
and ask for forgiveness or whatever it is you need to put right your life with God and come out. But it is heartbreaking. I wish to be, to tell you the truth, I did not send it to my wife, neither did I show it to Pastor Vijay. He said he doesn't want to even to know. <laughs> didn't want to because that's how it is. How it is. Because for us, please remember, we know it's true, I know your letters, I knew these things are happening and, uh, those who are in this circle, let me tell you, I know exactly what happens in all your rituals. I've talked to so many altars who have given me all the descriptions of exactly what happens in the rituals, the blood, the killings, the whole thing that happens. The unicorn. I know it all. The cup. You know it all what happens over there. But we zip our lip and we just pray that you will all come out one by one. I'm very happy. But be wise. Don't get set up. The enemy is wicked. Don't get set up. So be wise about it. Okay? Like Pastor Vijay will quote Alexander Pope, if I'm right. Yes. Angels. Fools rush in where angels. angels. You, have to have, you have to have spiritual discernment not to jump into places. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you as you save more and more people out of it. You need to have a burden for others like you. It's a God-given burden. But use discernment. Because we need to have it. No, we need to have that discernment, yet have that burden. You were saved from that. Like I saw, uh, John Newton wrote the most incredible hymn probably ever called Amazing Grace. And he was a slave trader. And he was one of those most moving forces behind legislation to create that atmosphere to ban slavery because he was a slave trader. So all of you who have come out of it need to have that burden. But pray and let the Holy Spirit give discernment. And my my, my prayer is that more and more will come. More and more will come out and more. But fact the other side is that more of them won't come and many will die. Even today. Today will die. Today is April 30th. And you know tomorrow is the circle's biggest day. May 1st is the biggest ritual night. May 1st and November 1st, tomorrow is Beltane. Tomorrow is Beltane and Shamhen are your big festivals. That means there is much blood shed that is going to take place. So many innocent ones are going to die in the nights. And all of you came out, I would say, be safe. Be safe. Watch each other's back. Play the, I'll tell you, play scriptural music or I will tell you one thing. Keep playing the messages. I would say my messages because they know my voice. So keep playing the messages 24 hours. Clip it over there so that when your altars come out, they will go back inside. They won't stay out. Keep yourself safe. Lock your key. Lock, lock your doors. Lock your doors. And when you lock your doors, hide the key. And when you're hiding the key, look inside that no altar is watching where you are keeping the key. Watch. I know what happens. Watch carefully. Look inside. No altar is popping up from inside and watching where you are keeping the key. Because when you are all out through rituals, if you fall down, the altar will come out and take the key and take you all out. So be wise. Be wise. Be locked in. Keep the music and the message on. And come through May 1st, we are with you. Your May 1st, that means back to back two nights. One night here, one night on the other hemisphere. We'll be backing you up in prayer. But I'm telling you practical things which you have to do because I don't want any of you dying. Dying. See that there are no knives. All the knives are locked up. No blades, no knives, no ropes. Everything are locked up. No syringes, no needles, nothing. Because the altar will come out and cut yourself. 
Okay, you know how they do it. Everything locked up. Nothing, no glass. Nothing. Glass like this. No glass, nothing. Because when they go crazy, when they are triggered, the altar, suicide altars will use anything. Okay, because I had to do all that stuff to see that. You know, if I stopped a wink, suddenly I see the altar standing with a knife. Then it was another battle to get it out of your hand. Okay, so please be watchful and careful about all these things and watch each other out. You will come through this. After May 1st, you will be much, much better. Because the power. But always believe it stands by faith. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. You are a child of God. God is with you and keep confessing. Confessing that, no, I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. So let's pray. <coughs> Tomorrow night we go back to question answer. Okay. Yeah, Friday, right? Tomorrow is Friday? Friday? Yeah, Friday. We'll go back to Q&A. Lots of questions, okay? And we'll go back to Q&A. Keep sending us questions, but your issues which are very serious, you can still write to me. I will not discuss it openly because it's dangerous for us to, to discuss this. Uh, discuss those things because you know how the law works. It's very dangerous to discuss these things in the open. <clears throat> so let's pray. Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. I bring all these dear brothers and sisters from all over the world, Lord. And young ones, oh Lord, so many young ones from around the world have written today. There's so much pain and so much anger what they have gone through. So many struggling. You are the deliverer. The price was paid in full on the cross. Mm. The devil does not have any claim on any one of them. So I pray, Father, today once again, they will all open their mouths. They have forgotten Break every oath and every covenant that they have made with the occult, any secret society. Break it out completely. They will use their own tongues and command every demonic entity to leave them, leave their bodies, their houses. Anything the Holy Spirit shows that is in their houses that belongs as an attachment to the occult, just throw it away or burn it off. Do a real, real spring cleaning of their lives and their homes because these are not people who have come from normal backgrounds. Some of them have been programmed from the age of one as children. So I pray, Father, that you would help them and give them power, wisdom, and your hand would be over them, protecting them because they are your children now. And I pray for healing, Lord, for these young ones and the ones from the Catholic background and the circle background, those who have gone through all kinds of unbelievable abuse, I pray for healing of memories, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord, we cannot right the wrong, mm. but there's only one who can set us free, it's you. I pray every one of them will open their mouths and as an act of faith, forgive those who abuse them. How great that abuse was. Forgive. Forgive those who abused them. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, the balm of Gilead will flow. Heal their memories. You came to heal the broken hearted. Mm. 
You are that good Samaritan who binds the wounds of those broken, who are left there bleeding. Heal them, Lord. Repair their soul. Heal their memories. Touch them. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Keep doing it, Lord. Keep doing it until the whole person has been made whole. Holy Spirit, you said, Lord, you will not leave us as orphans. And I pray nobody who wrote and nobody who is listening will be an orphan. I command that deceiving spirit to leave in Jesus' name. That orphan spirit to leave. We are not orphans. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And God is our Father. And Jesus is not ashamed to call us His brethren. So I pray, Lord, they will each know each day to come to you and call you Abba, Father. And you will cover them, protect them, heal them, and you will make them whole, O God. That the same people who are victims one day will become victors in Christ Jesus, Lord. And they will have a testimony that will bring gladness to the heart of the Father, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We bind every power of darkness, every work of wickedness that is taking place tonight and tomorrow, every Lord you are gathering. I pray the God of Elijah will send down fire and destroy these wicked places where prophets of Baal, prophets of Baphomet have gathered. And I pray, Lord, the terror of the Lord will fall upon these people that they will not gather. And although gather, Father, I pray, Lord, oh Lord, no children will be destroyed. No babies will be killed. Oh, Father, protect, Lord. Protect, 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 Lord. Protect these little ones, Lord. Protect the fire. De- destroy the wicked ones, Lord. Those whose names are not in the Lamb's book of life. Let the fire of God of Elijah destroy these destroyed mm. ones. Wipe them out, Lord. Clean them out, oh Lord. For they have joined hand in hand with the demonic entities, O Lord. And your word says, even if evil join hand with hand, O Lord, it will not prevail, O God. It will not prevail. It will not prevail, O Lord. Prevail, Lord. Protect the little ones. Protect the dear ones, O Lord. And clean these places out, O Lord. These covens. Clean them out, O Lord, with your holy fire. That nobody will dare to go those places, O Lord. They give it very, very wonderful names like landmark and all that, but we know, Lord, these are dens of iniquity. Clean it out, O Father. Clean it out, O Father. Let this be the dullest Beltane ever, O Lord. Because not only have you locked them all inside, but you will also lock these places out, O Father. Thank you, Father. It will be a day of deliverance. So many, I pray, tonight and tomorrow night will come out of the circle and out of the lodges and be set free, O Lord. We believe, Father, you will do this great work, O Lord. Set these captives free. Thank you, thank you, Father. We bring the whole church under the blood of Jesus. Cover us, protect us, and keep us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.